Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Yeah, man, Sebastian, we had a well, no, you didn't have a busy week last week. I had a busy week last week. What do you mean I didn't have a busy week last week? You didn't have six games in two days last week, did you? Uh no, I did not. I only had uh wreck in the morning, and that was it on Saturday. Oh, rec director. There you go. Take See, well, listen, you and Anthony had games, so someone had to be there. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You're scouting talent. We already scouted. I'm double checking. I'm double checking. <laughs> We're just, just being precise. He's going just, in. You're, you're enjoying yourself. I was I was having fun. I was enjoying it. I was passing off. Well, I was somewhat passing off flyers. Um, so, but yeah, no, it was it was a good time. I enjoyed being on the rec field. I went, fa- I went, I did a little Facebook live on the rec field. So that was, that was fun. It was a good time. Uh, you know, did a little Facebook live from the discovery program. Uh, did some Facebook live of some of the other games or that were going on on uh, the rec field. So yeah, it was fun. It's a good time. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the rec program is definitely back this spring, right? Like we've expanded. It's huge. Love the gameplay. I think the kids now this year have just caught up or just releasing all that built up energy from like the past year. Yep. Finally be able to get some sense of normalcy. I think it's been good. The games have been good. You know, the competition's good. So I think that's going really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, ultimately like, and I think that's starting to show too in our summer camps, uh, make sure you check out our summer camps and our website, DelawareUnion.com. Uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast. I've gotten more text messages, so I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do some shoutouts now. Uh, maybe this will this will be our newest little segment. So shoutouts, um, shout out to uh, former players, uh, Caitlin and Maddie, for listening to the podcast. I uh, got a few text messages this past weekend going like, "Hey, we heard you got thrown out of a game." We're like, "Wait, how did you hear about it?" We're fans of your podcast. Oh, all right. So shout out to Caitlin and Maddie for, for tuning in. And thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. So, uh, of course, follow us on social media on Facebook.com slash Delaware Reunion, on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer, and on Twitter at D Union Soccer. And for the Delaware Union Diamonds, which, you know, June 12th cannot get here soon enough uh, for our home opener in our first game, first official game. Uh, facebook.com slash de union diamonds and on instagram at de union diamonds so um now Dwayne, this weekend is absolutely insane bananas for how many games there are across the entire club whether it's at home or away i think everybody basically plays at least one game if not multiple games you and i both have like four or five games. Um, one of my teams, like the 2010s, played more than half their season in one weekend, in three days, over three days, starting tonight. In your Central League, right? Yeah, that's right. It's it's funny how... Call it showcase style. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we're like, oh, tournament, it's like tournaments every... Like, we've been at tournaments the past couple of weeks, and we yeah. still unofficially are having tournament weekends. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's been it's been crazy. Um, so yeah, so we got a big game weekend ahead of us, uh, starting tonight, uh, 20 temps girls played tonight at Middletown village. Oh, four boys played tonight at Middletown village. You have a game tonight with the Oh seven, Oh eight boys. 
08 boys. Yeah, 08 yeah. boys up in Concord. Up in Concord. So we're we are. I mean, this is what happens, right? This is the last sprint. It's the home stretch. We got two weekends left, and then after that, it does start settling down a little bit, which is nice. But I think it's cool to give the players up to play on Friday night. Like I it, love it just to have that ability. Um, even though I'm going to a field without lights, just have that ability to play on a weeknight. You know, could have had all the players if they went to school wear their jerseys. Kind of have that pride. That would be pretty cool to do. But I think it kind of replicates that like high school feeling where. You know, they're in school right now. They might be thinking about that game, getting that, like, jittery feeling ready to go for tonight. So, yeah, hopefully it builds up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And this past weekend, this past week, we had the girls' ID sessions at Middletown Village. You were there on Tuesday night uh, helping us out. Um, it was great. I, I thought it was it went really well. Um, had a lot of new players, forming a lot of new teams. Um, and I'm just looking forward to it. I had a conversation with a group yesterday. And, you know, after I brought the, the, the new players in and, and I was talking to them and they're like, how'd you, you know, do you have fun? And they're like, yeah, they're like, and they're like, well, okay. So I was like, so here's the two questions that your mom or dad or the, and I brought up, I was like, whoever picks you up, you know, maybe the dog's picking you up, who knows? Uh, but um, they're going to ask you, how did it go? And they're like, oh my God, they asked us that on Tuesday. And I said, yeah. And uh, did coach Sebastian say anything about what, like what's happening next? And they're like, oh my God. How do you know that they were going to ask that? Like, I was like, I was like, I don't know. I've been coaching long enough. Um, so I said, you listen, I'm going to give you a secret. Do you know the biggest and most important thing that matters? Like what? Do you want to play soccer? You're like, yeah, we want to. I'm like, that's all that matters. That's, that's yeah. all that matters. Do you want to play? We'll find a play. My, what is, and I asked him, I said, you know, if you want to, if you want to play, what is my job? They're like, to coach us and i was like you're you win yeah that's it that's like that's ultimately what it comes down to and that really that really is all it is is do, do you want to take this step forward did you have fun was this because we don't you know we're not putting you through a level 10 training session you know we're putting yeah. you through like a level two level three training session and then it's going to take time it's going to take time it's a process you got to get familiar with that game speed i mean that's the biggest difference from you know rec and travel i mean travel you're playing with the same team yep year round and everybody was the best player on that rec team yeah so i think that's the biggest difference but i mean it's good talking to some parents you know they're like what's an id session what like what is this for and it's like hey you get to play on a team year round with a coach and develop play games against other competition and be the best you can be and show off for the, the city of middletown yeah right? so I think the parents see it, you know, even if their kid isn't ready this year, they understand, Hey, it's a process. It might've been their kid's first year playing soccer ever. Yeah. And you know, it's a process. Everybody has a different pathway. So it's good to see. It's good to see all the numbers out there. It's good to see some familiar faces from um, the Saturday games out there. There's a lot of players. I was impressed to see that they came out there after talking to them. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, it was good times. Um, I just always enjoy it. I think there's a, it creates a different dynamic. I think it creates learning opportunities uh, for the players, not only that are new, but also for our current players and are going to be returning players creates a different learning opportunity for them. How do they adjust? What's the representation of our, of our club that they give as a player? You know, we talked about that yesterday as well with our girls. It's just like, this is your opportunity to, to welcome new people in. And that's that becomes a critical step too. We don't grow if our players aren't welcoming. Exactly. You know, we we want. I mean, we're selfish. We said we want every kid to play. 
Yeah. Right? We'll, we'll find a place for you to play. We'll find a team for you to play. We'll find the right fit for you to develop and grow. Best, I want to give a big shout out to all the rec coaches that brought their entire teams out over the past two weeks. That yeah. you know, a couple of coaches said, Well, I have practice, I want to bring my kid, but I also coach the team. I said, Hey, bring the whole team. There's your training session built in. You know, there's a play practice play. Like it might not be what your team needed to work on this week specifically, but hey, it's better than just canceling practice and no one being out on the field. You know, the kids yeah. all got something out of it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um yeah, it was just, just it was just really really fun to see. Um, probably the least stressful, like tryout ID session night that I or week that I've had in a long time, which is which is good because I don't really like this time of the year. So it was it was really good to see. So today for this interview, uh, Dwayne is not going to be here. Uh, so you know you've heard him in the beginning of the podcast, so he'll be here for after the interview. But so I'll give you a little peep back into the curtain. We record our interview sometimes before the rest of the podcast. Uh, but today it's uh, the second Friday of the month. So that means Strive is back on, which I'm really excited because uh, I've been looking forward to um, having Caroline and Linda is not here today. So if Linda can't be here, then what better person to have than the president of Strive? Bell is here. Um, Bell, I, I'll give you, I'll, you know, I, we talked about this off mic, but you're the fastest Google search I've ever had to do. Uh, I just tapped in your first name and everything else came up about you. So, uh, Bella, you just started at Strive like a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm about a month in officially, but I'm about 18 plus years in of being connected to the organization. Awesome. And you're coming from Dartmouth. I'm coming from which, Dartmouth College up which, in Hanover, New Hampshire. Which is uh, pretty cool. Pretty impressive. And, um, as I look through your, uh, through your bio and your history, um, you've, you've been kind of all over the Northeast coast kind of. Yeah, I did some, I did some traveling. I did stay East. I'm an East coast kid originally from Pelham, New York. So I think I, I think I had just an organic pull to the East, to the East coast of our uh, country. Um, started in New York city at Columbia. That was kind of my introduction to the Ivy league. Um, and then from there, went to Philly four years in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania, got to coach in the Palestra, which is one of the most storied arenas um, in our sport in the basketball world. I know we're we're talking some soccer here as well. Right. Uh, but basketball is my background. And then I went down to Virginia, um, Nafik, Virginia. That's the best accent that I'll ever be able to do. <laughs> Um, I was down in Old Dominion for three years, got to live in Virginia Beach, which was pretty sweet, close to the ocean, and then making my way back up north to Washington, D.C. at American University, and then decided to go way north <laughs> to uh, New Hampshire. So hopped around the East Coast, as you said, um, all great places to live, you know, great experiences, great institutions, uh, very blessed. Now, basketball is one of the things, and we've talked about this on the podcast uh, when we've had soccer coaches ask about like, and we used to have a question that we'd ask soccer coaches of like, if you had to coach another sport, what would it be? And basketball came up as a, as a, as one of those options that becomes a very, uh, there, there's a, the, the, there's a lot of correlation between the two sports uh, in the way from a tactical perspective. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So. 
Oh, I can jump on that right away. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When I was a kid, um, you know, when I was growing up, we were still playing everything we can get our hands and feet and head on, right? And so I, I grew up playing soccer, softball, gymnastics. We did it. We did it all. Um, but when I was in, when was it? I think when I was graduating middle school and starting high school, I had to make a hard decision about spring sport. And it was either soccer. We played soccer in New York in the spring Mm -hmm. um, on the girls' side. So it was soccer or softball I had to make a decision on. And I had already kind of fallen in love with basketball at this point. And that was starting to become my focus or what I really would much rather be doing. Um, But but sticking with three sports a year, um, I decided on soccer for very specific reasons. First, for conditioning. You know, I, I wanted to make sure I was doing a lot of running, uh, keeping my cardio. I mean, you, you run in softball, right? For all the softball yeah. coaches out there, right? Oh, yeah. You don't, but it's different. I mean, different. visibly, you see how different that is watching, watching those two sports. Um, but yeah, the conditioning component was huge for me and the tactical component. Um, a lot of, um, if you watch, if you watch an athlete who pl- plays soccer and play basketball, a lot of their moves, a lot of the, way- the ways in which they move their bodies, their shoulders, you know, when you're making moves on the ball or it's, it's very, very similar. Um, and I played the sweeper position on the soccer field, which is essentially the same role as the point guard position mm-hmm. on the basketball court. Um, I don't like having anything behind me or anyone behind me. I want to see everything in front of me. So that correlation, even, you know, as a freshman in high school, uh, it helped me moving forward as, you know, as a basketball player, as an athlete, but you know, that's, my basketball career, especially. That's awesome. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, basketball is, is, is definitely, uh, probably my, you know, behind soccer, my, my favorite sport, uh, outside of curling, curling kind of at times rivals, uh, <laughs> soccer. Uh, but, but, but for sure, basketball is definitely, uh, uh in my top three of sports, you know, it's soccer, curling and basketball experience um, for curling. It's nothing <laughs> to add on curling other than it is fun to watch come Olympic time. Absolutely. Uh, you're getting the world champions, the women's world championships were last week. Those were, those were awesome. Um, cool. But uh, but from a basketball perspective, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of of basketball in general. You know, growing up in Argentina, that that almost becomes the second sport that Argentinians in general like every other sport outside of soccer too. But but um, but basketball is huge in Argentina, and and now having um, we're we're back to an exciting time where there's three Argentinians back in the NBA. And the one thing that I've noticed, and I want to ask you this because you played overseas as well, so. Um, so I'm assuming you've, you, and you've, you've, you've between playing and coaching, you've seen players from all over the, all over the world. Um, but what is it about at times the, the, either the, the overseas players that brings a little bit of a different flair? Do you think it is because of the other sports part of it involved in it? I, I see it from a, I see it from a, from an Argentinian perspective, the basketball players that usually play in the NBA, had a little bit something different to the game. Obviously, not always the tallest players. Uh, like the 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 point guard Campazzo, who plays for the Nuggets, is maybe six foot uh, on a good day. So uh, got a whole so, foot on me. Yes. Yeah, so so <laughs> as a point guard, but at the same time, he's like he's doing the he's doing the the no look passes, and and that's yeah. just basically how he plays. It's not because he's trying to be flashy; it's just how he naturally plays. So. Um, I, again, it's kind of like an off-topic thing from a soccer to basketball, but but what yeah. what what is that in your coaching career and playing career? Have have you sure. seen? Sure, 
I mean, my brain right now is just firing um, because lots of different examples come to mind for me with my experience playing with, you know, international players, um, playing over in Greece. I played in Greece um, after college and then also recruiting and coaching players from all over the world. I think it's hard to pinpoint like one and this wouldn't be fair for anyone because every human being is different, right? Yeah. Just our bodies and the way we grow into our bodies and, and into our um, our talents and our, you know, our skill sets. Um, but there is there in my experience, and that's a, I can only speak to my own. What I have observed um, is a couple of different things. One, there is there's this maturity about the international players that I've been able to connect with. Um, there's a finesse and a physicality. Like there's this beautiful balance of understanding the finesse of the game. Um, but then also coming at you with physicality. Um, I, gosh, when I got to Greece, I was like, wait a minute, are there any rules here? That's <laughs> like, this is still basketball. I didn't know all of a sudden like wake up and shift into a rugby match. Um, it was so physical. And coaches here in the States told me that, you know, I had a, I had my one week tryout with the Washington Mystics coming out of college and it was one of the best weeks of my life. Um, you know, as, I mean, that sounds really dramatic, but it, it really was as a, you know, passionate little five foot one point guard, having the opportunity to play with some of the highest um, level athletes in our, in the, in the world. Um, and this is the early years of the W right. I was, I graduated college in 02. So it was a really fun week for me to be able to practice and train with these in incredible um, athletes. And then on, I was there from Monday to Friday, Marianne Stanley was the head coach at the time. And um, she said to me on Friday, she said, okay, there are two of us left. And she's like, all right, Belle, you know, this is the conversation. I was getting cut. And she said, but here's the deal. I want you to go overseas and I want you to play a more physical game. Like you just you need more time, you need more experience, and you need to, you need to experience more physicality. Um, so go over there, do that. And then a year from now, you have a tryout with us, come back in a year and we'll see what your progress was. So I was pumped. Like to me, that was, yeah, I'm getting cut CUT fine. Right. Everyone needs to experience that once in their life. I think it, it just talk about how we talk about character and building character, right. It's yeah. important. Um, but I, I saw it as a window of opportunity. All right, let me go over there. Let me, me understand this physicality better. Um, and that'll, you know, lead me forward in my career. So I get over to Greece and it is just as she said, you know, but words and actions are two very different things. So, um, physicality and so much more physical overseas, um, and where it's, where they let it, they let you play, they let you get after it. Um, and I think if you talk to, I don't keep, I don't mean to keep rambling here tonight's opening night for the WNBA, Shout out to the Connecticut Sun. My uh, my younger <laughs> brother, my brother, is one of the assistant coaches for the nice. Sun. So they're opening up in Atlanta tonight. So a little shout out to them. Um, but if you talk to WNBA coaches, they'll tell you too how much more physical the game has gotten um, in the W and how fast it is. Mm -hmm. um, so physicality and finesse, absolutely. My experience with international players. Um, gosh, I can go on and not. Tisha, you ever watch Tisha Penichero play? She, she played at Old Dominion um, in, the, in the 90s, late 90s, and from Portugal originally. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite point guards ever to learn from. I just missed her. She graduated. So I never got to compete against her. 
but um, she played in the W for years and years. And it, she is literally like the perfect, perfect example of that finesse right. um, and physicality, being able to navigate physicality. So those are two consistent points that I've, you know, witnessed and been part of. I, I think that's, I know, I think that's a, that's a really good, it's a really good way to describe it. Um, I think, and I think it, at times you see it in soccer as well. Um, I think you see it more um, from a soccer perspective. I think you see it when you end up with, with European or South American um, or, or at times, uh, you know, actually players from all over the, from all over the world. Uh, but you're starting to see it more now with, with players, with American players that are, that are first generation players. You see it a little bit more because they bring a little bit of their background and the, their heritage to it. Um, but you're starting to see it more in the MLS. So in the MLS, I think you see it more in Europe. It becomes a little bit harder at times to see it just because of the amount of players that you have. Um, and considering the majority is so basically, you know, the Americans are the minority uh, overseas. But, um, but I think when you, when you see it in the MLS, it, it at times it's, it's uh it, you you see that part of it. You see a little bit more of of the setting the tempo. I think is is the best way to describe from a soccer perspective. Um, it's really they just the especially I see it a lot with with South American players um, mm-hmm. where they come in and they play in a different position now because the game becomes a little bit more open for them and now they're able to set the tempo where in in South America or, or in Europe they might not be able to. Um, so it, it, it which is it's also speaking of the the growth of the league as well i think you're starting to see more younger players in the mls playing um and it's happening too in the nwsl um there's a lot more more european and south american players coming through which is adding another level to the game well there's something else i love about and we talk about this all the time at strive um, but as coaches how we love differences yeah. right we just we embrace differences and when you and, and that can we can have that we can take that conversation in a lot of different directions. But when you talk about differences in in skill sets, right, and culturally where we're coming from, where we're learning how to play our sport, right, from from the ground up, to then blend all those different styles together, I just got chills. Like this is so much I love coaching. It it is so cool and it is so fun. The creativity that is involved. Right. So we at Dartmouth, my first year, we had a Hungarian player who just loved to score the basketball. Like all, all I mean, who doesn't want to score the basketball? Right. <laughs> Everyone wants to score the basketball. Who doesn't want to score goals on the soccer field? Right. But we all have to play our different roles, embrace our different roles. Yep. Uh, but for the scorers out there, it's um, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun part of it. It's what get it what it's what you know generates points and goals and gets up there on the scoreboard. Um, but she had so many different ways of scoring um, that looked different, felt different. Right. And it's like in practice each day, we're like, Fanny, what do that again? What did you just do there? Do that again. You know, or we would study her footwork to see if, I mean, she barely missed, which is nice, but she did miss. So as coaches, of course, we're always looking um, to see, all right, well, how can we help her make that many more? Right. So we, we dissect and we study and we analyze. And with Fanny, it was like, is it her inside foot? It, does she miss off her right foot? Does she miss off her left foot? And there was like, we could not figure out the pattern, which was to me, even, I was even more excited about that. Oh, it yeah. just shows you like, let humans be humans. Just leave them alone. Don't overcoach them. 
there is such a thing as overcoaching. Like let there be, be fluidity, let them do what they do. Let them have this creative, you know, um, parts of their games that they bring day in and day out, as long as it's, you know, adding and contributing to, to the whole. But anyway, just another thought on that. No, I think, I think, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It's just let the, let the game be the teacher at times, you know, yeah. just, just that, that simple concept of just let the game teach them what they have to do. Um, you know, the, you know, I've, I've had players ask me, uh, coach, can you, can you teach me, uh, can you teach me some tricks? And I said, no, I can't, I'm not a magician. Uh, I don't, I don't have any tricks. I can, I can. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I can teach you some, some skills and some different things, but ultimately the only way you're ever going to figure those out, like it's great to do them on a post, but the only way you're ever going to be able to figure it out is if you're actually on the field and, and playing. Uh, Sebastian, yeah. I am so with you right now. I know we're in through a screen connecting, but I'm like locked in eye to eye with you right here yeah. because same thing. Like it is not about tricks. The game is not about tricks and getting to the next level that no, like if we can, I'm not a big fan of that word either. Mm-hmm. We say fundamental, not fancy. Yeah. But then you want to be fancy, you know, get fundamental. You know, it's like, it's like back and forth. Um, uh, you want to start throwing those around the back passes. Okay. Show me fundamentally right. that you can deliver that pass consistently over time. And that's what it comes to. And now it's to. not fancy. Now it's the just, right. Just part of your game. Standing when it's exactly. Right. So I'm with you. Oh, I, I had a well, quick little story and then Caroline, Caroline will take over from here. Sure. But um, the first time I've ever been, um, I had a referee, uh, this happened probably a month or two ago. Uh, we're playing this team from New Jersey with my U13 girls team. And this, this team was, this team was just flat out better than us. Um, they were more physical. They were faster, a little more technical at times. They were just better. We were, we were doing a good job for what we had available to, to compete against them. But um, so ultimately in that moment, you have to, you have to take the, take the wins as you can, right. Take the, take the small detail oh, yeah. as a win. So, uh, so I have a player who's, <clears throat> who's a little bit on the smaller end who struggles with confidence going up against big players. Um, so at practice, she normally like, I, I love watching her play at practice because she does all the things naturally because it's the same thing she was doing on the recreational field. The day I watched her play and the day I went up to her dad who was ho- coaching and I said, who's that kid? And he goes, it's my daughter. I was like, well, your daughter needs to come play on our travel <laughs> program. Um, but, but um, so, so she's, so she, in, in general, like the idea of the, the, like, as you said, the, the fundamentals of it. Right. So it, it at times looks flashy, but it's the way just, she just naturally plays. And I love it. And I cheer her on every single time, because for me, that's something that, a doesn't happen as much anymore in youth soccer. B even less in girls soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not encouraged. Not not really something that you know. But but I love it. For me, like do as much as you can. So um, so her her one move that she has that that she that's just the way she does it is so whenever she receives their back with her back to pressure. She takes the touch with the outside of her foot, and as she turns, she usually ends up megging a player, and then okay, just nice. on the other side. <laughs> and it looks absolutely beautiful when she does it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. She just naturally does it, and then we talk about feel where the pressure is and, and things like that. So she she did it in a, in this game. Um, she did it, and like she did it probably three feet away from our bench. Okay. Um, so as she did it, obviously I was like, "Hey, let's go!" Like, well done. Now at this point, I think the game might have been zero zero, and I don't think we crossed midfield at any point. Uh, so, 
so it wasn't like it was you know so um so the referee comes over to me and says uh you can't do that and i'm like what are you talking about well you can't like she's like you can't laugh and i'm like i'm not what are you talking about laughing so so at halftime he comes over and he goes you you're making fun of the other team and i said what are you talking about making fun of the other team he goes, your your player met the player, and uh, and and you were laughing at the other team. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, don't get this wrong. I was la- I was not laughing. I was encouraging my player. I was like, you wrecked okay. the game. Yeah, we didn't cross midfield. Like, <laughs> I'm taking the wins as I that I can. Like, not only that, that's the essence of the game. We have to encourage this. We have to celebrate when players have the the courage and the confidence to do these things on purpose. At the youth soccer level, and furthermore, in the girls' soccer, in girls' soccer, we have to encourage this, right? Why are we? And he's like, "Well, you can't." I was like, "Listen, I'm like I'm not going to like." But at the same time, like you're never going to tell me. I was like, "You can throw me out. You can do whatever you want." But I'm gonna if it happens again. Guess what? I'm doing it again. I am never going to tell that player that it's not okay for her to do that in the middle of a game. Now, if we were up fifteen nothing, oh. and we're doing it for sport, no, that's a different thing. That becomes sportsmanship. When it's a zero-zero game and we've yet to cross midfield, yes. <laughs> well, this like, is what's so. I mean, this is what's so hard and beautiful about human beings, right? Is we all are coming to that field with different responsibilities, different roles, different ex- experiences, and different perceptions, right? And so miscommunication happens all the time, oh, and yeah. non-verbally especially, right? Um, and that's clearly. In that moment, that's well, what what's happened? happening. Different role, different responsibility, trying to maintain, right, even playing field, wh- whatever it may be. It's so fascinating um, that that happens often, you know, just the mis- the miscommunication on, a, on, on fields, on courts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there, I wanted to give, I was listening to you describe that move. And I know it's on the soccer field, but my brain went to an Argentinian point guard who I had the opportunity to coach at American University, Micaela. Michaela Sanchezi. And we called this move. It sounded very similar to what you're describing on the soccer field. It was, it was a baseline drive. She would stutter step hezzy, right? And then if you cut her off, she would pretend as if she was retreating, right? She would mm-hmm. turn her back and retreat as like, okay, you got me. Forget it. I'm not trying to go baseline. And then she'd spin right back off you, right? Feel where the defense was. Um, and we literally, and this is the creativity piece, right? And this is the celebrating piece. And then this is also the growing the game piece that goes into this is that is now forever in my mind. And whenever I coach the game, that is called the Mika move. That is now the Mika move, no matter what. Right. Um, but yeah, it's anyway, I was thinking through that, just listening to you. And I wanted to share that um, to give a shout out to Argentina. Absolutely. Well, and, I, and now it's it's just a matter of just you want it. You want other players around her now to try to to try to like learn the move. Not because they're going to. Again, you talked about roles and responsibilities, right? So, right. not every player, not everybody on the field, right? So Caroline used to be a goalkeeper. So was I. If you saw us <laughs> try to do some try, try to mega player in the middle of the field, like there was something severely wrong with the game. Um, so everybody has to understand their roles and responsibilities, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with wanting to learn or wanting to try something different. The way I look at it is for me, like, um, your ability to, to do the, 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 you know, the quote unquote fancy things on the ball, the step overs, the scissors, the things like that, all it gives you is just more ball control. Right. Like, like I've seen, like, you know, I've, I've watched basketball videos. I, I love watching warmups for basketball, 
and I've seen the players dribble two balls at the same time, right? Right. You're never going to do that in an actual game. What right. is it just giving you? Just ball control, just the handling skills, right? And confidence. So, yeah. Exactly. And confidence. Yeah. Right. So, you know, obviously, if you're the point guard, it's probably going to be a little bit easier for you to do that than, than if you're the, you know, six foot five center. Uh, might be a little bit more difficult for you to do that. A, you're a little bit taller probably. Uh, so that might not be the, you know, but at the same time, it's just different roles and responsibilities. But I can guarantee you the centers are trying to do exactly the same thing. Right. right. And and keeping, you know, this goes into, I know Caroline's got questions for us as we keep rolling here, but yeah. um, keeping the game, you know, with all this creativity and all this fun that is clearly, can clearly be had and, and, the longer you play the game, you know, you're always trying to figure out new ways of doing things, new strategies, new skills, and you're going to continue. We're going to continue to see, see that, you know, as, as we evolve. Um, but really when it comes down to it, the more simple we can keep it, the better. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, in warmups, we're doing all this crazy stuff. We're juggling balls. We're doing right. You're not going to see that in real life play. You're going to see, you know, a crossover and an account for post players. There's all these, I love, um, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's the same in soccer, right? But we have we have all these series, right? We have post series, guard series, we have finishing series, you, you name it. We have all these series, and it's it's a great way for us to stay organized. But it's like I've I've watched post play, and there's like 20 to 30 different post moves, and it's like realistically, again, it's fun to have all that in your arsenal when you understand how and when to use it. But it should be reaction by that point, right? Or yep. reads by that yes. point. But really, it's it's all it always comes down to a go to and a counter, literally a go to and a counter, because like, you you don't have that much time with the ball in your hands or the ball at your feet, right? Before the defender comes or multiple defenders come your way, so simplicity in coaching, right? Without you know keeping it simple while also embracing the complexities of it all, uh, I think is a is a is a balance we all need to. It's hard to balance it, but but it's a balance I think that's really important for coaches. Yeah. And player. I think this, well, I think this segue is exactly into what Caroline has uh, has in store for us. Uh, Wait, Caroline, how are you? <laughs> no, I've been gearing up to Morning. go. Part of it was defending my honor because Sebastian, I will admit that there were at least two games when I was much younger that the Cyclone or the Maradona was my go-to move, regardless of the position on the field. So, Bella, if you're intro soccer here is it's a where you step on the ball turn and kind of pivot around the defender um and probably my coach wasn't excited that I did that in front of my goal but it did go well um so that was my (laughs) go-to good for you there you go well done wait this this goes towards creativity that may go back into knowing the time and place and perhaps I needed to be coached on that. Um, but yeah, you guys gave me a really great intro here for um, communication specifically and where you were talking about miscommunication between coaches at times. And um, one of the best parts about working under Bell now and learning more about Bell as a person and as a boss and as a coach um, is her intentionality around language. Um, one of my favorite things that I've learned so far is Bell, instead of saying, call someone out. So if you need to address something, we frequently say you're calling someone out Bell's language. And I don't know if this, I'm attributing it to you, but you can, uh, you can make sure I'm not plagiarizing here, um, (laughs) is calling people up. So I wanted you to tell the group a little bit more about what calling up means versus calling out and how that can be transferred throughout the sports. 
Yeah, there's a different energy to it when you say it. And even more importantly, um, when you feel it, right? Because there's so there's so many feelings attached to communication. Um, and you want to keep you want to make sure that your students, you know, your players, your your colleagues, your peers, you name it, um, that you're you're connecting with them and that they know you believe in them. Um, you know, when you're providing feedback or coaching points, it's so important that their ears, that we have the listening ears on and that they're willing to embrace more as opposed to, you know, so many of us were so used to getting critiqued our entire lives, literally, right? Particularly in with, I mean, this could be another probably cultural conversation, depending on where we're coming from all over the world. But, um, you know, we are really hard on ourselves um, and we're striving, striving, I mean, that's the name of our organization. We're constantly striving. Um, so calling up just that simple little tweak from out to up, um, adds a positive spin. And it's not, it's not a trick. Again, we're not into tricks. We're into authenticity. Um, we're into being direct. And so, you know, the up, we, we want to, we want to uphold, right. We want to uphold our standards. We want to uphold our core values. And so understanding that if there's a scenario or a situation where you need to be called up to those core values, those standards, those principles, those teaching points, that we're here to do it. And it's like having a high five, right? We like high fives because they're up. Um, so very intentional language, um, really effective language. And again, you see on a young person's face or an old person's face, right? It's not necessarily about the age because uh, we're all impacted by language. Um, you see the difference when you say, all right, Caroline, can I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call you up to this as opposed to I'm calling you out. Calling out is like, think about it in baseball out. It's like, you've done something wrong. Well, no, you haven't. You just, yeah, there's three outs in a game. That's how you end an inning. Like you were part of ending that inning. It doesn't have to be the end of the world, but it's a mistake. Right. And, and we have such a hard time working through mistakes and failure. Um, and that's such an important part of being human. I mean, that's, that is humanity. It's going to happen. So we have to spend a lot of time, um, you know, psychologically, mentally, and physically navigating that. So language is a huge part of helping set the stage um, for positive, a positive environment. Yeah, I think, Sebastian, you hinted at it as well, like so frequently, depending on the age and the gender of the students, or the players that you're working with, we start to see these trends of that fear of being wrong that ends in paralysis. So it ends in students and players just not wanting to take a risk or not wanting to do that move because they don't want to be wrong and they don't want to stand out, perhaps. And so, um, Coach Bell, I was wondering if you had experience with like that trend and in addition to the language that you use how you helped your players kind of come away from that fear of being wrong and instead embrace opportunities for growth as strive calls it yeah i mean it's it's everywhere i have examples all all throughout my career and, per, and personal examples of my own you know um being a perfectionist um and you know striving to become an elite athlete um, and how competitive that is and the lessons you learn along the way and, and all the different styles of coaching that I've at this point in my life, you know, I've had the opportunity to experience so lots of different examples. Um, I'll stick with the most recent at Dartmouth um, in the last eight years, just having the opportunity. It was my first role as a head coach um, 
and we can get into that too. I know we're going to talk about, de- you know, development and coaching, um, you know, at different levels and, and different ages um, and even different roles and responsibilities. It's amazing. As soon as someone slaps that head coaching or not slaps it on you, you earn it, right? As soon as you earn that head coaching um, title, not big into titles, but it, how different um, that relationship right off the bat is, which is frustrating because it's like, oh, I'm the same person I was an hour ago before I was named head coach. Um, but we can get into all that later. So speaking to my most recent experience at Dartmouth, being a head coach, having just an incredible opportunity to, to create culture with my players, with my colleagues. Um, another like prime example, um, cause we're talking about, I mean, elite student athletes here at, in the Ivy league. Right. I mean, so failure, I mean, I can't tell you how many homes I've been in recruiting where I would talk about followership and not everyone loves that word, right? We're all about uh, leadership. Not a lot of people talk about followership, but we talk about followership. We talk about being a first follower. Um, and early on at Dartmouth, when I inherited the program, we would go into people's homes for home visits, for recruiting, and we would show, um, oh, what's the name of the video? It's in our Strive library. Um, dance, uh, leadership lessons from a dancing guy. Right. If you haven't seen it, it's about, I don't know, seven minutes. Maybe it's worth the watch. And that would be my pit way more than a pitch. That would be setting the stage for teaching uh, these young people what it would mean to be part of our program and that we need everyone to be a first follower for us to move in the direction that that we're heading. So we would show this video and I can't tell you how many different homes I was in where the parents would look at me and say to me, you know, Coach Bell, with all due respect, my daughter's not a follower. And I, there would just be a long pause, right? Because in my mind, I'm like, well, that I know that's not true. I know they're not entirely understanding what I'm teaching here. I know I need to break it down that much more. But just to, just to outline like the amount of pressure already put on, on these young people to be perfect, to be leaders, to be starters, to play 40 minutes of a game, which is impossible. It's just impossible. And I'm, I'm an optimist, right? Um, It's just being on a team is not that being on a team is being part of something that's bigger than yourself. Right. Um, So I'm jumping all around here, Caroline, my apologies. Um, But I wanted to start there because at the very beginning of the culture, just our intentional language and understanding that if you're going to be part of this program, you're going to be part of a team. You know, and, and that means that you, each one of you matters individually, absolutely. But it's more, it's about the whole, right? And in being about the whole, we spend a lot of time on individual development, right? But, but the bigger picture is for your, you're developing individually. Yes, for your benefit, right? Because you love it and you're striving, but also for the benefit, most importantly, for the benefit of this team and this program and the shoulders you stand on, the legacy that exists here. So that language alone as starters, just to give you an idea of the amount of stress already on these young people and the, the expectation on them before they even walk in the door. Right. So really important that we pay intentional attention um, to each individual player, um, you know, their their mentality um, when we're teaching our culture. And again, back to the language we use um, just to instill in them that, look, this is a safe space 
to fail. And when we fail, a lot of parents don't like hearing the word fail either. My daughter doesn't fail. That's like, well, she's not failing. She's not growing. Right. Um, and so if she doesn't fail, then I don't, she's, she's not going to fit in on our team. Right. Because our team is about growth um, and movement and development. And so failure comes with that every single day, every single day for the rest of your life. Um, so it's, it's, it's a new conversation for people, um, that you have to be bold enough to have. Um, and then you have to be consistent with it because it's breaking a mold. That is a really strong mold of years and years and years of, you know, young people, um, thinking they have to be perfect on tests, right. Or forget it. If a kid gets a B instead of an A for the first time, like how they're navigating that. Um, and how internal they go. So there's a lot to it. Um, some other language right off the bat, Caroline, that we have used too in our program is, um, you know, we have strengths and we have growth opportunities. At Strive, we have opportunities for growth. At Dartmouth, it was growth opportunities. We got right to the growth part. Um, we have healing players. We, we, how about this? At Dartmouth, I haven't ever had an injured player in my program. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> Zero injuries. Um, but think about it. You say it in that way, you start looking at it differently, right? We have healing players and that's a whole nother episode here, right? This is a whole nother podcast to talk about that, the psyche of, um, of injury, right. And, and healing and how much goes into that for, for a young person. Um, I keep saying young person because those are the, these are the people that we're coaching right now. Um, I have two, I have two quick, two quick things. One, um, we're, uh, starting next week, we're going to do this uh, soccer movie review. We're going to review all these soccer movies once a month. Um, and and I and I, Bell brought up you brought up a really good point about this idea of of failure and it being an opportunity for growth. And, and I quickly try to think as you were saying it. I was like, all right, let me go through all the movies, uh, all the sports movies. There's not a single sports movie that starts out with a team winning. Right. Winning in the middle of the movie and winning at the end of the movie. Right at some point, that team fails, whether it's a true story or not whether it's Airbud or whatever other movie, right? At some point that team fails and we all, and we all as a society glorify these movies and we, we, we hold them so dear in our lives. Yet when it comes to our personal lives, we're like, no, that would never happen to me. Yeah. We're like, yeah, wait a minute. Totally. Like, no, it's happened in every single sports movie ever. It's like the real purpose. Honestly, if you flip that movie around, the real beauty of that movie is showing how hard it is, yes. how hard it is to earn a championship, Resiliency. how hard it is. Yeah. It, you know how hard it is to win one single game at the division one level in women's basketball right now, one single game. It is so hard and you, you have to put so much time in and so much commitment. Right. And you have to fail millions and millions of times to do it. So it's just, it's really important that when you're building your culture, and this is again, to the Dartmouth experience these last eight years, being really intentional about celebrating failure, you know, and, and calling people up. Um, and I mean, we had, we would have all different practices in place where we could acknowledge that, you know, how many, can, it, here's a simple one in basketball, right? We say left hand on the left side. With, with your layups. You know how many kids though, when it comes down to it, uh, if they're right-handers and, and I didn't mean to start with the right-handers, I should have started with the left-handers <laughs> right hand on the right side. Right. I want to be inclusive here. Um, but that non-dominant hand, right. Um, it's, it's about taking risks. You, 
you need to take risks and, and you need to do it on the practice court first. And that's what practice is. See, kids come into practice thinking that, you know, they have to be perfect because that's where they earn playing time. So there's this whole disconnect. Um, and so it's really important the way in which you communicate and then being consistent with your communication through and through. Um, and then with your decision-making to show them that, okay, you come and you practice, you take risks, you improve, right? And that gets you, you know, that's where we start to see your growth and your development, you know, and then, you know, your, your individual aspirations of playing time or what have you, you know, contributing. I like to say contributing. Playing time is, it's, it's evil. It is, it destroys teams, right? We have to figure that out, coaches. We, we really do. Um, so I like to say, you know, contributing. Uh, everyone wants to contribute. And so we have to help make sure that everyone on the team understands their roles and that they are contributing in, in this way. Um, I, it, when you, when you said earlier that you and I were kind of on the same page. So uh, we, we really are Tuesday. I had, um, I was, I was at my practice um, and we'll call this player, Julie, for the sake of the example, that's not her name, but ultimately I don't have anybody named Julie on my team. So that helps. Um there. So uh, she, uh, she was, we were doing a scrimmage, um, like a full 11 v 11 scrimmage. And uh, she, she tried to do a couple of things and um, they didn't work out. And, and at one point she got subbed off because just part of the rotation. So she, she got subbed off and she was sitting there like visibly angry. And I had made a couple coaching points when she made a couple of mistakes and she was just visibly upset. Um, so I, I pulled her off to the side and I was like, Hey, like what, what's going on? I thought she was, I thought she was frustrated with me, which perfectly fine, but let's talk about it. Right. Like if you have, if you have an issue, let's, let's bring it up. Um, and she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset with you. I'm, I'm, I'm just frustrated with myself. I just can't seem to get it right. And I said, wait a minute, let's, let's hold on a second. Like right off the bat, I've known you for like four years and we've been talking about this since you were like 10 years old, which Julie do I want to see? And we talk about this idea of the, of the, is it the happy Julie or the mad Julie? And she's like the happy Julie. And I was like, exactly. What happens when you make a mistake? She's like, I shut down. All right, then let's perfect. We owned up to it. Right. Listen, I'm going to give you feedback constantly, right? Like you're always going to get feedback, but it's just feedback to help you grow. You take the feedback and you do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not because like, I was like, don't get frustrated yourself. You make a mistake. You make a mistake. Who cares? Like, just learn from it. And then the next time, try something different, yeah. right? Just try something different. So um, so my question is, what do you do with the player? Uh, so I'm, I'm asking for some advice too. Like, sure. what do you do with that player that it, it maybe it's not the external factor. Maybe it's not the parents. The parents are super supportive and everything else. But maybe it is the player themselves. Not because they're a perfectionist necessarily, but they just like at times just can't control the fact. Granted, we're dealing with, you know, with, teenage players so that there's a there's a there's a hormonal and growth part of it as an adult or as a person not adult as a growing person that just naturally you're going to go through um because i can guarantee you if i ask my mother what i was like at 13 or 14 years old it's probably not going to be fun uh but uh so but you know what what do you what do you do with the player that at times just can't see can't goes red and can't see past that yeah Oh goodness. Um, again, so this is what's fun of, I guess, coaching for 18 years, um, uh, lots of different examples to, to choose from. Um, and 
and like I said earlier, personal examples. Um, I remember telling Jeremy Edwards, co-founder of, of Strive, way back when in my like first summer ever coaching at Sports Challenge, we were talking about this very topic. And growing up, tennis was actually my sport way before basketball. And I had the worst temper. I mean, it was so bad. You would never believe it if you knew me now as the human I am now, right? And this is this is why this is development. But I used to throw my racket, slam it on the ground. Like Again, if you know, knew me now, you would never in a million years say that Bell would do something like that. Sure enough, did it. Um, so I, I often share that story with my athletes, you know, because it's it's all about connection. Um, we say connection before content all the time at Strive. It's one of our, it's just one of my favorite teaching points that we have. Um, and I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that simple. There's more to it. There, there's a lot to, you know, the intrinsic um, motivations and experiences and the inside of a person, right? We can't see it. We only, we see what from the inside, what they share externally, then we see, right. But we don't, we don't know what's really going on in there. Um, what, what their bodies are doing, how it's breaking it down, what their minds are doing, how they're taking that, you know, that missed free throw to win the game and what their brain's doing with that. Right. So again, it's, it's relationship building. Um, and it's going to be different for each athlete because each athlete's going to show you, you know, um, different behaviors. Um, and, and each athlete's going to have different triggers based on their, uh, based on their past experiences. Um, so it's time, it's intentionality, it's connection, and then it's finding resources from that point. You know, there's the other thing about coaching. It's such a dynamic profession, right? But we have to remain humble coaches. We have to understand like, okay, this is, none of us are experts, right? Once, once we become experts, that's the worst thing for the game. We all care about growing the game. None of us are experts, right? Um, sure. We have our credibility. Absolutely. But we have to understand when it's time to seek out, you know, another person's knowledge and training and skill sets to help our own players. And so at the collegiate level, you know, it's a little bit different, right? So we have we have sports psych on staff, we have nutritionists on staff. And so we we can, it's nice to utilize those resources. Now that doesn't mean that every kid is open to those resources. So that's why the connection piece is so important, the relationship building piece is so important in building trust that look, we're going to build out an action plan that is individually for your development. And then that will ultimately help the whole. Right. Um, and, and so it's going to be different with, with every single athlete and it has to be, you can't cookie cutter coaching. It's just, that's not good coaching. If you're trying to do that. Sure. It saves you time and energy, but that's not good coaching in my opinion. No, you really need to focus on, on each kid. Um, and put them all together. So, I, you know, I can try to think of more t that much more specific examples, but like process wise, that's really, that's the starting point is uh, building those, those connections and even being able to do, I mean, some are, are real time and, and others are time set aside. Right. So if on, I mean, I have lots of examples from one of my seniors at Dartmouth right now, who has been navigating her emotions for years where we'll be in a practice and, you know, she's struggling. She's missed her first like three to five, you know, threes and, and she's getting down or something. You start to see the unraveling, right. And you've seen this behavior before and you know, it's coming. And so how can you as a coach, you know, breathing techniques, I mean, you name it, there's all sorts of different tools to utilize, which of those tools 
is going to stick with that kid, you know, journaling before and after. Um, when do you intervene and when do you let her just go with it? Like, when do you let her just feel it all? Because sometimes you got to let them, you got to just let them feel it and get it out. And so these are the decisions that are, that are really hard to navigate as a coach. Um, but the, the more you learn about your players, the more time you spend with them and the more you understand them, then it helps your decision-making. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Something that comes to mind for me is strives, um, kept them doing good. So this is especially connected to education and prior to prior to strive in the nonprofit world, I was a third grade teacher. So, so frequently in education, you had the teachers that wanted to catch students doing the wrong thing. You want to catch, you want to cold call on a student when they're not paying attention. And the education world has really shifted to let's catch them when they're doing something right. Especially when you have students that may have identified for themselves, like I'm just that angry kid, or I'm that bad kid. Um, and it's funny to have conversations with players that like have identified themselves as the slow kid or have identified themselves. However, mm-hmm. um, and you shout out a moment where they may not have noticed it. Um, just shouting out a moment where like, Hey, you could have gotten really angry there and you didn't great job. And they might, they might dismiss it, but it, it sticks in and it goes in and it plants a little seed of like, oh, this isn't a fixed fact about myself and I can adjust and grow into it. And like, I've had my situations with my coaches. Um, I've, I've grown, I've learned. Um, I think we all understand losing our temper at times and it, it's because you're passionate. Um, so reframing it as a strength as well is helpful. Um, I want to be conscious of our time. I had one more question for you, Belle, that's you touched on a lot, but really in, in general, when we're, we're talking about the role of coaching and you were a basketball coach, you've had experience in other sports as well. Um, but as this is a soccer podcast, what sorts of things do you feel are consistent across sports, age, um, gender, et cetera, that still remains true about a coach's role? Right. Awesome question. Coaching, I said this earlier, coaching is so dynamic at every level, right? Um, You know, my experience has been in the working with young adults. That's been my experience for 18 years at the division one level of women's basketball. Um, I have had lots of experience with summer camps, you know, with younger kids. And, um, and so I share that because it's all transferable, all of it. Um, but you have to understand your audience. You have to take the time to, to learn the group in front of you. Right. Um, and, and to meet them where they are. So coaching is developing. Like that's what we do. We develop people. Um, and again, depending on if you're a club coach or, you know, um, helping out with little league baseball, just getting the little ones going or T-ball, you know, regardless of, of what it is, you are playing a role in their development. And that development is, to me, it always needs to be holistic, right? So again, at the collegiate level, we have potentially more resources. And I can argue that depending on which school you coach with, but right, there's different resources. So you, you're able to, to funnel and channel in, into the nutritionist side of things and, and into sports psychology or what have you. But you don't necessarily need all those resources. You need to tap into those. You need to be knowledgeable on those. But understand that when you have these kids in front of you or these adults in front of you or young adults or even coaching coaches in front of you, 
You have to understand who your audience is, and then you have to find ways to connect with them. So that language piece is so important. I'm not going to use the same language with my, you know, a five-year-old or a seven-year-old talking about the pivot foot that I am with my collegiate kids. Or you know what? Actually, look, I'm talking myself in and out of this as I'm speaking. Maybe I am, you know, if that's what sticks. Like we use on your pivot foot, like stepping gum, right? You got to make it tangible and realistic to the world that they're seeing right now, you know, um, and, and get them excited about it. You, you got to use examples that from their maturity level, right, that they understand. So don't come at them with all this coaching lingo and jargon, right? Break it down into their language and then, and then think about intentionally your practice planning, right? Um, you know, Paw Patrol, we, we were talking, we were on the playground yesterday with my daughter and she was playing with another kid and um, Ellie and her father was saying how she's all about Paw Patrol right now. And, and I'm like, okay, well, what to me, if I'm coaching those kids on the soccer field on Saturday, I'm like, let me go watch a Paw Patrol episode and see how I can create a like, okay, Paw Patrol time, you know, for, I don't know, for passing or for a skill set. But again, making those connecting points, keeping it fun. And we do the same thing with our college athletes, right? What are we, you know, what, what Netflix series are they watching right now? Right. Cause again, like, look, we're all human beings. We're all developing. What stage of development are we on as coaches? Our role is to connect with them. Right. And the older we get and the more distance there is between years, like we got to stay relevant coaches, right? We got to stay relevant. There's, there's a beauty in aging and that's your experience, right? But if you're aging and you're speaking a language that your kids do not understand, you're not going to get very far. Um, you got so you to get, you gotta get the T. You got to get the T. You got to right? get the T. There you go. See, that's a new one that I've learned this year. Oh, I have a whole list. I have. So here I am talking about building culture, right? You don't build culture alone. Culture is people. That's the people in your space, right? The people you're responsible for and you're learning and living with, right? That includes your kids. You will learn more from your kids than anyone else, than anyone else. Ask them, hey, what do you want to call this? You know, what do we want to, hey, you all come up with this. Um, I don't love the word drill, um, this concept or this, and that that word concept might be too big, or how, you know, depending on how old the kids are. Um, but get them involved in the process. The more they can be involved in the process, the more invested they will become, whether they realize it or not, right? Because it feels like home for them. It's, they're looking forward to it. Um, it's, you, hey, you want the happy Julie or the sad Julie or the angry Julie? You want the happy Julie? What makes Julie happy? You know, you got to know that in order to help create it. Um, but doing it collectively, bringing your wisdom, bringing your experience, but again, keeping it simple enough so that, you know, your people, your kids, your audience understands it and then embraces it. And then from there, that's where you find they'll just be so much more motivated uh, because they're having fun. I mean, at beginning and end of every day we get, that word fun needs to stay at every level, pro level, Olympic level, I mean, it's joy. It's joy. It's why do we play our sport? Yeah. It, it brings out joy. Okay, well, let's make sure that that we continue to do that. I, I said this to every player I recruited to Dartmouth. Part of my role here is you're you're in love with when you're in love with basketball. Part of my role is to help you be that much more in love with it by the time you're done with this experience. Like that much. Like you haven't even scratched the surface of loving this sport just yet. That's part of our role. 
So development. I, I, the best moment I had coaching high school soccer this year, and I took over a brand new program with only freshmen. I only had six players on the team. Um, and we talked about building a culture for, for years to come. So, you know, we knew this, the season was going to be tough, but best moment of the season was when we were about to take our team pictures and they're like, really, we have to do this. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. We have to do this. Like they have to, sh- so like, all right, what do we need to, what do we need to wear? You got to wear your full like home kit, home uniform. All right. Um, we have to wear our cleats. Yes. You have to wear your cleats. Uh, all right. What about jewelry? No, you can't have any jewelry. And so one of the girls was going like, but coach, I got, I got, I got to have my drip on. Right. And I said, and I said, no, you can't, you can't be iced out right now. And she's like, Whoa, coach Sebastian. <laughs> and I was like, come on. Like, I see, like, this is not new. Like this one comes back a little bit more. So between, between, uh, at one point me using the, at one point, one of my players comes off the field and she goes, if she pushes me one more time, she's going to catch these hands. And like, and I knew what she meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I related it back to another, like, so I was like, would you say that she would have caught these hands? And she's like, oh, coach Sebastian. Like, so like, those are the moments you relate, right? Those it has moments. nothing to do with soccer, but it's the moments you relate to the fact that like, you understand what's going on in the world, not just yeah. like, and you relate to players and, those are those might be the, the my two favorite moments when I said the word drip. Yes. Catch these hands. And when you uh, show them, when you show them your authentic self and that you can be just as vulnerable as you're asking them to be every day, taking risks, failing forward, right? That, that's when that's when you see the relationship really grow. Like that's when you're like, okay, um, I'm right here with this yeah. kid, which means I'm gonna be able to help this kid get to wherever it is he or she or they want to go. Yep. Right. Um, so that's what it's about. My favorite is like after a victory or loss, no matter what, those locker room conversations, there'd be time. Miss Kaya Corona, one of my uh, kids from California, she was keeping me relevant, teaching me language, teaching me dance moves, you know, and coming in the locker room. They never knew what to expect after a victory. And all of a sudden I'd bust out to one of Kaya's dance moves. And it's like, oh, coach, you know, and it's. <laughs> And that moment, you know, it's like, wow, coach is willing to be vulnerable in front of us, meet us where we are. And, and that's where, that's where you connect. And you ultimately keep it fun, which is, it's, it's a, sport, it's a game, right? It's a game. It's a game. It's a, it's a game. There's a um, lot to learn from it, but you know, it, it is a game and well, um, uh, fun, it has to be part of it. Bell, Caroline, it is, it's been absolutely fantastic. You have you on, I think, um, obviously I'm, I'm as, as Caroline mentioned, I'm trying to be conscientious of your time. So if it was up to me, we'd be here for the next three hours. Fair uh, enough, I, I would, I would, I would turn off the recording and just keep this one just for ourselves. Just because oh. it, like we could, I feel like, I feel like we could talk for a long time. And at some point, uh, bell, you and I are going to have a conversation about just, uh, coaching. Cause I, I've been fascinated and I've been wanting to do this. And the moment I thought about doing it, uh, the pandemic hit, so I haven't been able to do it, but I want to find a basketball coach that will sit with me and teach me basketball like tactics because I want to I want to find Absolutely. the correlation and I want to share ideas from the soccer to basketball world and see how they relate because I want to pick things up. Um I think defending is one of the things that that easily correlates so I want to I want to learn. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. Let's do it. Perfect. I love it. That'll help you know the one part I'm missing here. I I I'm so happy to be part of Strive. This last this last month has been incredible, and my staff is just awesome. I'm learning so much from them, 
um, I, I do miss being out on the court and uh, talking shop and talking the systems of the game. I, I'm missing that. So you just let me know, Sebastian. Let's do it. Listen, over the winter, we play futsal, which we play them on basketball courts. So maybe, maybe, maybe there's a little transition. You know, we right. we transition you from basketball to futsal. Now we're now we're talking. It's five we're players. Talking. It's futsal's five wow. players. Five v five. Oh wow, that's all right. All right there in. we. I perfect. <laughs> Boom. Got another coach in. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really thank appreciate you for it. having me. Appreciate thank it. Caroline, thank you for the uh, for the prompts. Of course, this was great, great conversation. Always good to learn. So. <laughs> All right, moving on. I mean, Dwayne, honestly, you missed a fantastic interview. You're gonna have to catch it on the on the rewind there. You gotta listen to the podcast. You gotta listen to the podcast now. Uh, but uh, we're gonna do a couple. We're gonna do a couple of check ins because we haven't necessarily talked about soccer in a while. Uh, so let's gonna do a couple of check ins around the world. Uh, City won the. The league. You didn't sound excited about that. What do you mean? You're like, just oh, City just won. No, City won the league. We've been talking about they, this. Like they, like it's like they always win or something. No, I'm not saying they always win, but they won. That was awesome. That was really good. I'm, I'm, I'm channeling my inner Phil Foden. City won the league. Whatever. I'm that, still that's... trying to channel my inner Pep Guardiola. <laughs> So yeah, so City won the league. I mean, it's it's always different when you don't win the game, like when you don't when you lose that on, you know, they lost to Chelsea the other day. They couldn't win it, so then they like when you're winning because of a different result. Like that's never that's always a little different. I'll tell you why they lost to Chelsea the other day. Why? So those bet nods go up for when they win the championship. <laughs> you know how many more people are gonna bet on Chelsea? Like, oh yeah, Chelsea's trying gonna- trying to Chelsea. trying to get a little money in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so City wins, uh, which is uh, which is which is good. Um, you know they they I think they've been the most consistent team throughout the Premier League this year. Um, then we're gonna then we're gonna you know pivot over to Inter, who won Serie A. Which, holy moly! What Juve had won nine or seven straight years or something like that. The last seven. They, yeah, they won a what since AC Milan maybe was the last yeah, one. To win it. Yeah, so uh, Inter Milan wins it, and now Juve's trying to make sure they get they get into the Champions League spots. I don't think they're getting into a Champions League spot. They're uh, like they're like been, like what four points out. Yeah, I don't know. This is it's gonna be um, it's gonna be interesting, especially because I think they play Inter uh, tomorrow or Sunday. So um, interesting that you have one of the best players in the world. And is that player going to play in the Europa League? Because it's kind of bad for the Champions League. It kind of—I hate to say it—but it kind of brings back the relevance of the Super League. The Super Don't bring League. back the Super League. No, don't <laughs> like, bring back the Super League. I, nobody's turned it, tuned in to watch Ronaldo play the best team from Latvia. <laughs> I would. Like that's what the World Cup qualifiers. Are. That's why we go watch them play for Portugal when they beat Estonia. <laughs> well, well, so yeah, so Inter, Inter's, uh, yeah, so Juve basically has to beat Inter to now get ahead of Napoli, um, and ultimately tie with Milan to try to to try to get in. Ultimate or or to actually no, that's a thing. Like so, from second to to fifth, there's really only a three point difference. So between Atalanta, Milan, Napoli, and Juve, there's really th- there's a three point difference. So this could fluctuate tremendously in the next, uh, you know, two weeks. 
however many. Yeah. Uh, you just know Inter's putting out their top eleven. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, you I know, would too. You know, Inter's if like if I'm Conte, I'm I'm doing that too. Why not? I'm picking Juve right out that Champions League. Like we got yeah. a chance. With all those out, we got a chance. Well, see, look. The way I look at it is so Ronaldo. Well, this is a great segue. So Ronaldo's mom, because Sporting from from Portugal, you know, the green Sporting, I guess, <laughs> uh, from Portugal, uh, uh, won the league after I don't know how many other years because Porto usually Porto or Benfica have usually been winning it, but they won the league. Uh, they didn't lose a single match. In the entire season, in 32 games, they've only given up 15 goals. So, what does Ronaldo's mom post? Ronaldo's mom said, oh, "Don't worry, I'll get him. I'll, I'll get him back next year to play the Champions League." Rumor mill. Yeah, Ronaldo's mom starting rumor mills. She's got the tea. She's got the tea. She's got Ronaldo, the tea. Ronaldo to Sporting. Ronaldo to Sporting. She's got the tea, man. I wonder if uh, Sir Alex Ferguson gets a coaching job somewhere else and scouts him again. The sporting director at Sporting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that's the biggest. Dude, that's crazy. That I mean, with that talent pool, they are struggling to get in the top five, yeah. or they just, or more credit to the Italian league. You know, maybe more credit to Slatan for ultimately trying to play in the Champions League again at the age of like sixty-two. <laughs> yes. Still score goals. Still, still got that nine games, nine goal like scoring record. What like he's gonna keep going too? Yeah. yeah. Like no one's gonna stop Zlatan. No, 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 no. He's good. Um, and then last check in that we'll do will be on our local team, the Philadelphia Union. Um, yikes! What a what a rough start to the season. That's, um, why, you, that's why you get your season ticket money back. <laughs> one one win, two draws, and two losses. Now, granted, they're they're in the they're in the Champions League or in the Concacaf semifinals. Uh, they got to go play who Cruz Azul now. Uh, isn't that, isn't that stadium like super crazy? Yeah, that's rough, man. That's a <laughs> yeah. That's, good luck, fellas. Oh no, sorry, you got to play Club America. So yeah, just make it that make it that much that much easier. You know, you're no longer. You don't have to play Cruz Azul, but you do have to play uh, uh, America in the Estadio Azteca, which like that is a trip. That's a long haul, man. That 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 stadium fits like one hundred and twenty thousand people, one hundred and thirty thousand people, or something like that. It's a massive, massive uh, stadium. Um, the home of the nineteen eighty six World Cup final, by the way. I mean, that's a long. That's a long. I mean, you got to travel across time zones. Oh, sorry, 80, 87,000 people, not one hundred and fifty, no, but no. still, that's still that's more than that's more than Talon Energy or Subaru Park or whatever it's called now. I mean, that, uh, yeah. I mean, you're thinking about like now. Granted, I, I don't think I, they're I, gonna have that many people in there in the stadium. Obviously. That's not even that's not even NFL stadium. That's like college football stadium size. Like that's huge. Yeah, yeah. that's near. That's 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 close to Neyland State Neyland size. Yeah. That's 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 the one I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's our that's kind of our check in. Um, all right, player of the match. I'm I'm giving mine to Ronaldo because uh, not only does is is there a rumor that he's going back to Sporting, uh, going back to Portugal, um, but 
But at the same time, <laughs> I don't know if anybody caught the highlights of the Juve against Sassuolo match. Uh, but this guy laid out a defender with like a little double scissor. This guy like broke his ankles. He's still trying to re- he the defender dug himself a hole in the ground. He's still trying to dig himself out. Uh, but if you haven't caught those highlights, make sure you you watch that because that was nasty. Hey, tips for your kids at home. Just stand up here. Stand them up. Stand them up. Yeah. Don't don't dive in. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he even dove in. I think he just stood there and just got dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> you dive. Look, you dive in. You're definitely going to be reaching for something. Don't dive yeah, in. Yeah. He's reaching for the, he's reaching his hands to the ground and stand back up. Um, Teach. All right. So what, who's your your player of the match? Uh, I'm going to give my player of the match to, uh, I think we got two Americans with a trophy this week. Yeah, uh, Brendan Aronson won the uh, Austrian League trophy. I don't think he's the first American to do that. Jesse Marsh is probably the first American to do it, but he might be the first American player. Um, and also, want to give a shout out to uh, Gio Reyna, and they just won the PFB Dokal or whatever. What about Zach Steffen? Won the Premier League as well. There you go. Boom. And I think we got some more Americans on that team. Is there is are there any Americans on the, at Sporting? No, no Americans at in Portugal. Or no, is Reggie Cannon in Portugal? Uh, I don't know. I think Reggie might Cannon be. Might be in Portugal. I don't know. If you want to know who's abroad, go to yanksabroad.com. You know they do a great job of updating where our U.S players are playing currently there you go but yeah i want to give a big big shout out to those players winning trophies continuing to pave the way um i mean 2021 we've knocked down so many barriers and just opened up so many opportunities for players where you know for the longest time it was just goalkeepers tim howard brad friedel casey keller clint dempsey and now you've got multiple players across multiple clubs across multiple different countries paving the way for americans and you know for the younger kids right to be able to step in and take these opportunities yeah absolutely um all right on this day in soccer history all right doing you watch a lot of soccer um what happens usually after a game a little handshake jersey swap Clap it up for the away fans. Go back to that second one that you said. Jersey swap. All right. If you had to take a guess, when do you think it started? Maybe like in the 80s. 80s? Pele? People were probably fighting over Pele's jersey. In the 80s, uh, Pele was retired by that point. (laughs) Well, no, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Oh. Tradition starts back, go dates back to May 14th, 1931. Oh, they probably didn't have washing machines. <laughs> yeah, so, I put the jersey on the washboard. <laughs> 1931. So, it goes back to May 14th, 1931. So, uh, France and England uh, played, a, played a game. Um, you know, it was the seventh, seventh time that they had played a game. England had won all their games um, up to this point. Uh, but, um, you know, that that day uh, in, in Paris, uh, France beat England 5-2. to two. 
So uh, since the French players were so happy, they asked the England players if they could have their jerseys. And the England jer- the England players said, yes, sure, you can have our jerseys. Uh, and that's where the tradition came from. I mean, I just have so many questions about 1931. Like, how do they schedule? Like, how do they schedule the game? Like, did you send a pigeon to everybody's house? Like, yo, <laughs> got a game today. We got to go. This pigeon. Stuff. You know, they had a telegraph at this point. The telephone, I think, was probably invented by then. Uh, it wasn't as popular. You know, there's people that had telephones. Yeah, but there was there was there was telephones back then. A little bit of technology in there. There was some technology in there. It was I mean, it wasn't email, but you know. You could you could have you could have something. Plus, it's England and France. It's not like you know you were that far away. Yeah, you, just you know, it's the, just, horse, the horse and buggy coach. Well, I mean, you also have to cross the channel, but you know, oh, they had to get on the boat too. <laughs> you you know, England's an idol, an island. Uh, <laughs> geography lesson. Geography lessons on the soccer podcast. Um, what do they do with the jerseys afterwards? Like, I doubt. Like, what do they put it in a picture frame and hang it up? Yeah, just kept them. Put them in the closet. War on the house. War on the washboard. War on the house. Just war on the house. Just hanging out. New training. New new tra- That's where the training jersey started. <laughs> you used to, if you won, you kept the other two's jersey. You got the. That's the new training jersey. There you go. That's how. That's where, that's where the penny. That's where the penny came. That's came where the penny out. came from. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Um. Yeah. So there you go. There's your understanding soccer history. Um. Jersey swaps. Um, all right, fair play of the week. Mine goes out to uh, the 2010 girls that were at rec on Saturday that helped me hand out flyers for our girls' ID sessions. So I really appreciate that. It was it was really fun. Um, and I uh, roped them into doing that, and they accepted. So it was good. So uh, who was your fair play of the week? Uh, my fair play of the week is going to go to... Mr. Brian Derrickson. Um, Derrickson. Premature, premature shout out. Um, going to be covered over That's covering right. the pre-rep session tonight as I have the game. So shout out to Mr. Brian Derrickson for uh helping me with that. He's already got a roster printed out. He's oh yeah, got, he's got he's at the session. He sent it to me already. Yeah, he's like, Yeah, he's what, what do you think about it? Planned out by the minutes. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, I tried to get him some help. He was like 20 kids, I got this. So um Again, we'll see if it's just 20 kids I got this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that ends up. Sebastian may have to go over there and help my mans out. But uh, shout out to Brian Derrickson for covering my session. He he enjoys the player development stuff. Uh, he does. He doesn't like being out there every week, like you said. But it, when he gets the opportunity to go out there, he definitely enjoys it. And the kids yeah. definitely get learn a lot, a lot from him. For sure. Not, not every day do you get to, to be, you know, Trained by state championship coach. Yeah, a lot of experience. Because I mean, how many state championship coaches do we have at our club? Uh, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I mean, I don't know. I think just one. He might be the only one. He might be the only one. He might be the only one. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, well done, Derrickson. Well, I know Polytechnic won the state championship. <laughs> um. All right, so before we wrap up, next week, uh, so Dwayne, you and I have to make a decision. Uh, next week, we're going to start doing our movie reviews. So what what movie are we watching between now and next Friday? 
what are we starting off with? Um, what which streaming services do you have, and what's on the streaming services? <laughs> I don't know. I have I have the majority of them. I have access to a lot of them. I mean, uh, I just gotta find time in my schedule to sit down and watch a movie. I did get you saw my new toy at work, so yeah, you can watch it on that. Um, I mean, do you want to do you want to go with Goal? Do we want to watch Goal, which seems to be the Santee? most the most the most relevant of the movies. Yeah, Santi. Goal two with Nick Cannon. No, not goal two. Not not we're not there yet. That'll be uh yeah. Yeah, let's 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 just watch goal. That'll be if you've never seen it, goal's a movie from 2005. Um oh my god, there was a third one. If it it's gotta be worse than the second one, so I would oh just... my goodness, I had no idea there was a third one. I may have seen this. Taking on the world. Oh boy. All right, well, goal. Uh, the dream begins. That is the 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 night the name of the movie. Uh, if you've never seen it, a uh, Kuno Becker is is in the movie. Um, we'll talk about it next week, but but ultimately, um, started from the bottom. Now we here. The dream begins, man. You start with just a sneak peek. You start with cardboard shin guards, and then you get here. You That's get right. To the top. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so yeah, I think so that's we'll, in every coach's back pocket if a kid forgets their shit. A piece of cardboard, yeah. There you go. It's a piece of cardboard. Um, so yeah, so uh, we're gonna watch Goal. The dream begins. So if you want to watch it before we review it next week, uh, basically here's how we're gonna look at it. We're gonna watch the movie. We'll give a brief overview, and then we will see how relevant or irrelevant the movie is to the real soccer world that we that you you Dwayne and I know. Now, obviously, our world is based on our experiences and where we live. So uh, don't I don't want to hear anybody going out there like, yeah, but if you lived in this place, you this would be, I, was, I don't know. We live in Delaware and we know what we know. That's pretty much it. So we'll see how it's relevant to Delaware youth soccer. So uh, the dream begins next week, Dwayne. That's there you go. Little preview preview. Uh, Maybe that's just the name of the podcast episode for episode 47. This this week's episode is 46. 47, Dwayne, the dream begins. Dream begins. That's right. So, cool. all right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Next week, the dream begins. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>